You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject I have coming up for you is one Danko Jones. So the tables have turned. I'm interviewing an interviewer. I actually know Danko's podcast far better than I know his music. Um, He's got an excellent podcast series if you want to go out there and search for it. He's easily found. But the actual reason for the conversation is to promote Danko's upcoming tour of Australia with his band, eponymously titled Band. There's four dates in all. I'll read them out. Thursday the 30th of May, he's playing in Melbourne. Friday the 31st of May, he's playing in Brisbane. Saturday the 1st of June, playing in Sydney. And finally, Adelaide, you get a show on Sunday the 2nd of June. So let's have a listen to what Danko has to say. Here we go. Hello? Danko, it's Andy McKay-Smith calling. How are you going? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Yeah, good, mate. Good. That's a, a very snazzy uh, way of doing conference calling. I've got to hand it to whoever set that up, actually. I haven't quite done it that way before, but it's all handed to you on a platter. Yeah, it, I, it's actually really easy once you get the hang of it. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's some of them you, you dial in and you actually drop right into the call as it's it's happening. So say in your instance here, you might be being interviewed by somebody else and you drop straight in the middle of it and you're like, I feel like I've gate crashed a party. But um, yeah, <laughs> so you sort of just, yeah, you know, when the, those ones too that ask you to uh, uh, please provide your name and details or what have you. So you hear that pre-recorded thing just boom over the top of them talking and you think, oh, yeah. yeah. So nowadays, to be honest with you, mate, I just don't announce myself or just sort of lurk in the background until they're finished talking. But I didn't have to do that with you, so that was nice. Cool. You know. So mate, you got this uh you got this uh, run of shows coming up in Australia and I believe that they're your first headline shows in fifteen years because you did some uh shows with Soundwave uh not too long ago, I don't think it was RIP Soundwave. But uh mate, what can I say? Nine albums, three EPs, you've got an expansive catalogue to mind cuts from. So what can your Australian audience expect? Well, I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough as, you know, a band goes on and their discography gets longer and longer to, you know, figure out a, a set list. JC, our bass player, he writes out the set lists. Um, and it's uh, a mishmash of, you know, of course, the new songs off the new album we're, we're touring on and some of the songs that, you know, maybe a lot of people have heard via, you know, YouTube or they just know. Um, that were, 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 you know, singles in the past. And then, you know, maybe a deeper cut for someone who's maybe seen us before. And then, you know, songs that, you know, we, uh, we like as well to entertain ourselves. Oh, God, yeah. I play covers, and uh, we generally do the, uh, the nine and one rule. So for every nine songs that we play for the audience, we do one for ourselves. Otherwise... Uh, yeah, that's actually, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we do it too, I think. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got is there a particular album or are there there songs in the catalog that are are like the Australian audience is known for liking them, appreciating them more so than others? No, I have no idea. You know, I mean, like you said it's been 15 years since we've headlined to have done our own show. So back then, you know, it was a totally different thing. We'd had two albums out, two full lengths. Now we have nine. Mm, yeah. So I really don't know. And, and, and at Soundwave, you know, our sets weren't very long. You know, there's just so many bands on that stage. So hmm. we pretty much played maybe the songs that most people would know, and, and that was about it, get off the stage as fast as possible. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Soundwave was a lot like that, actually. It was, um, 
it was a bit bewildering for the audience too, I think, at times. I think AJ strived and did his best to put on a wonderful show for people or an event for people. But, uh, man, it's very hard when you've got Living Colour playing on one stage and another awesome band playing on another stage. You're thinking, shit, who the hell do I go and watch here? You know, I think it's, it's sort of... I mean, it's a wonderful problem to have. Hmm. You know, that's that was that was so great about uh, Soundwave. It was a great problem to have. Hmm, indeed, yeah. But look, you got this new album out coming out too, so um, A Rock Supreme, and I think I understand the title there because I, I reckon A Love Supreme is one of my favourite all-time albums. By the great John Coltrane. It gets a regular spit in my household, that's for sure. But the album release is uh, coming up very soon, the end of this month. Would you, would you say the album continues the narrative, the, the Danko Jones narrative? Because I've had a listen to it, actually. John sent me a copy. And for me, it's got that, that, that great narrative that your music does have. And I've all, you've always reminded me of early Misfits. I don't know whether you get that comparison too often, but the album itself seems to be imbued with that same spirit. Well, no, we don't get uh, compared to them a lot, although we've written some songs in the past that are very influenced by them like songs like body bags and gonna be a fight tonight mm. uh going out tonight those songs were very misfits influenced um but uh yeah it's pretty much you know ninth studio album we're not trying to rewrite anything or trying to experiment with anything we kind of know what kind of band we are and we're sticking to our sticking to the story kind of in the tradition of bands like Slayer and ACDC and the Ramones mm -hmm. and um, Motorhead. You mm -hmm. know, they, they, those are four bands that, yes, the albums, you know, they, they, the songs are sound, you know, they've got the particular sound, they sound the same if you're, you know, coming from it from the outside, but that's what you want. And, and it was so, it's so hard to, to find a, a kind of a signature sound. So if you have it, why would you stray from it? Because it's just so hard to get in the first place. Plus, I think it's very arrogant when bands uh, expect that their audience will follow them through every experimentation and love it, mm. you know, and dragging their audience through, through uh, their experimental phase or this album or that album when all they need to do is put out another album that made, made that brought, brought all their audience to them in the first place. And to think that everyone's going to love it, no matter what they do, is a pretty arrogant to me. Mm, yeah. Yeah, look, these are my comments and my comments alone, but I've always felt that about Daniel Johns from Silverchair. I think he's probably Australia's most gifted modern pop and rock frontman. You really want to play. But for, for us and for me personally, I love hard rock. I love all kinds of music, mm. but I love hard rock. And... and and I don't mind churning out another 20 hard rock albums. And yes, I listen to a lot of music. The three of us all do. And the way we kind of get all that crap out of our system is, like you mentioned, is to you know, kind of name our albums after other, uh, other albums and other genre, genres of music. It's that, that's how maybe we can kind of um, hmm. connect with those genres, but not necessarily musically. Yeah, I get it. It's a great tribute, I think, to a wonderful album. And um, I think a lot of diehard music fans, and I think a lot of fans of yours are genuine music fans. They're not, you know, they're not fans that go, I'm a metalhead or I'm a punk rocker or I'm this or that. They're just genuine music fans. So I think a lot of people are really going to appreciate that reference. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's good to know.
you know. Mate, the other thing about talking to you is that it's, it's unusual in that, uh, a bit like when I was chatting to Chris Jericho, I've had to listen to just about all of your podcasts, I reckon. Um, so the oh. tables, <laughs> so the tables are turned. I'm interviewing a bloke who I'm used to listening to interview other people. Um, <laughs> okay. So congratulations on on a on a really solid podcast series. It must be said, uh, it's been a worthy companion oh, for thanks. me as I've done a lot of travelling and I've had it done in the background and hotel rooms and uh, just when I'm dealing with the kids in the car and trying to put them to sleep and driving them around and I've got either yourself, Jamie, Chris Jericho, uh, Eddie Trunk. You know, you guys are the big three or four. That I tend to listen to, to listen to, and I think a lot of the people that listen to me listen to you guys as well. So there's a bit of a uh, bit of serendipity there. But uh, mate, out of all of the interview subjects that you've had uh, the opportunity to chat to, who's been your favourite if you were pressed into providing an answer? Uh, I would probably have to say three names come to mind: uh, Duff McKagan, who's been on the podcast hmm. officially twice, but uh, three different times. Um, and uh, Henry Rollins, because oh, yeah. it was very difficult to to interview him, and I wore him down. Um, and I I was so grateful that I wore him down. <laughs> Eventually, he kind of <laughs> opened up a bit. And um, Scott Thompson from the Kids in the Hall, we had a great time. We spent like three hours together with 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 Scott, and so that was a memorable day. But even in between all that, there's been some great episodes that I'm just so happy happened. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I know the Henry one you're talking about. He is like that, isn't he? He's um you know, we love him down here in Australia, of course. He's he's um spent so much time down here he's almost an honorary Aussie. But um yeah, I, I know I've I've met people that have interviewed him and yeah, he can be well actually my I'm at I'm at uni and my lecturer was telling me that yeah, he was didn't say he was difficult, the words I think he used and I don't want to misquote here, but it was a, a very challenging interview subject. He was a he was one of those guys where you really had to sharpen the sword and be on your on your toes and be on your feet in order to get um something that that was Something, some good copy. There you go. Some good copy there. But um... well, yeah, because I mean, I I basically, first of all, no eye contact. He looked down to the floor for, for I'd say the first fifteen minutes, and he yes, would just yeah. give me really quick, curt answers. Um, but I wore him down because I really genuinely wanted to talk about records and record collecting and how he finds some of the music he finds and. It was not until, and I understand where he's coming from. He he he's he gets it from all sides, and I think once he realized that, uh, I don't know, I knew people he knew, kind of thing, and mm. I was safe, so to speak. So when I mentioned that, you know, I played with Kira uh, and Mike Watt at a show, and I was talking to Kira, then he kind of like loosened up a bit. And so mm. it was it was really cool. I felt like, well, you know, it wasn't a long interview and it wasn't, you know, like we weren't like guffawing and laughing and and chortling together, but I did get him to the point where he was he was a, a bit talkative even after the interview. So that was actually right. pretty cool what happened after the interview too. Mm. So it was it was not bad. And then actually I heard god, 5 years later someone told me in the Motorhead camp he ran into Henry Rollins and he told him that oh he, he's going to be you know this guy was going to be working with us cuz he came on the road with us yep. and when Henry found that out he said well 
you know, say hi to Danko for me. So, so everything's sweet. cool as far as I know between me and Henry. So Yeah, no, that's <laughs> sweet. Yeah. I'll tell you, there, there is one fella out there that I reckon you uh, would be a perfect uh, interviewer for, and that's Thomas Gabriel Fisher from Celtic Frost. Uh, there's not a lot of copy out there from him, but I think your interview technique would, would get a lot of really good stuff out of him because uh, some of the interviews, of course, that I've seen from him too, they can go either way. But I think your style. It can, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean. I've had a, I've had a good meeting with Tom um, when I first met him. He was very, very cool with me. Like we had a good meeting. But I met him through Martin Ain, and Martin was on the podcast. Yes, who's now passed away. And and uh, Martin and I were we became friends back in 2004. And Martin um, was the one who introduced Tom and I. So, so it was through Tom and, and that was great, but, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, he's one person that it could, it depends on the day, you know, you just have to strike on a good day. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot like that. And, and I think, I don't know whether he's aware of how revered he is as a, as a heavy metal icon, you know, he's almost invented extreme metal, not single-handedly of course, but I mean, he's, he's kind of like the guy that popularized it after Venom went away a little bit there in the eighties. And I was only listening to his stuff the other day in the car on CD of all formats. Um, you know, in this day and age, uh, I can't remember the latest compilation that was out, but, uh, man, he's, someone's put a lot of thought and effort into this compilation that has what I'd consider the prime Celtic Frost cuts. But yeah, man, I, I don't think he's, he's aware or allows himself to be as aware as, uh, uh, how revered, the catalog is and how revered he is as, a, as an icon of heavy metal well it's obvious because he just basically flushed celtic frost down the toilet i mean mm. they're done and it was i think premature especially after they put out uh monotheus which was such a great comeback record yeah, and then yeah. that's it yeah but, oh well yeah, yeah. i suppose we, oh, we well. never <laughs> yeah yeah what do we do man we 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 know them as fans right but i guess the person is obviously a very separate entity so god whatever you know yeah we can't we can't we lest we judge you know in these sort of situations here except to say tom if you ever listen to this man just please do something musical again in the vein of celtic frost i know there's a polyon sun is that the name of his recent band or has he got Tripticon? Tripticon, yeah. Uh, Tripticon's put out a couple of albums and they're very, very good. Um, so it is actually, you can get your Celtic Frost fix from Tripticon for sure. There you go. There you go. All right. Mate, your career. So we've talked about your, your career as a musician, now as a podcaster. I understand you're also a broadcaster of Wikipedia, is to be believed, mate. But you've had something approaching a lifelong career, certainly as an adult, in. Um, talking about music and heavy metal and punk rock and all the rest of it. So did you think you'd be here all these years later when you first started it, Bandy, or did you think you might get sucked into doing an ordinary job like so many of us do who love heavy metal? Yeah, we, we, when I look back on when we started the band, it was just another thing to do. You know, we were, we were like in every scene, you know, bands form, they break up. The members kind of form new bands with other bands that have broken up in the scene, and, and then the whole thing starts anew, and it keeps going and going and going. Sometimes there's a band that kind of grabs onto something and gets a little bit of a a, a, um, a buzz, but um, generally speaking, in every scene in every city, you know, just bands form, they break up, they form new bands, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we thought we were going to do when we first started, and maybe we we go for a run for three years, but it actually quickly ramped up. Uh, we became like a buzz band in the city, and then the city, because it's Toronto, kind of broadcast. 
fine. But we kept going, and you know, 23 years later, we've played six continents, over 40 countries, and and that's mm. just how it goes. So we had no idea how long this would last. We, I think, we thought it was going to last for three years. Yeah, it's it's a lot like that. But I mean, that's that's to be frank, mate. You're just being realistic, thinking that playing punk rock yeah. or heavy metal. I mean, it's had we hard. known that it was going to last this long, it would have been. I don't know. We would have hmm. relaxed a little more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> flying by the seat of your pants. You know, you just don't know. You want it to keep going, but you just don't know. And, and there's been so many times where, man, it's just easier if we just broke up and I'll, I'm just going to start a new band. But you kind of don't want to do that too because you've done that a couple of times. And I don't know. It just gets monotonous. Hmm. If we can do this, we've got a little bit of a spark. Let's just keep. Let's try one more. Sh- you know, kick at the can, and then. You know, you keep you keep saying that, and eventually, that the 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 seventh time you say it's the last kick at the can, something happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's always that way. Yeah, and then people accuse you of being an overnight success, but they don't understand you've been working at it for years and years and years. Yeah, that's it exactly. <laughs> you know, so um, but yeah, I think a bit, a bit like Jamie and, and even Chris Chris Jericho, you figured out that in order to have a career in music, you've actually got to have a career in about three or four other things at the same time, meaning broadcasting and podcasting, and I think it gives people a multi-dimensional view of you as a person and as a musician, so it makes you more endearing to an audience. Well, the thing is, the difference between Jamie and Chris and myself is I think Chris and Jamie do a real pro job at podcasting and they really go for it. And, and of course, it, it's, it's obvious because they've got, you know, lots of people in the numbers listening mm. to their podcast and they're both really good podcasts. I actually did Jamie's podcast for a second time on Monday. Sweet. So I think I'll be on in, a, in maybe a, a week or two. But... Um, they do real pro jobs at, at their podcast. Me, I like to keep it raw and I mm. don't promote it too much. And it's really for me to kill time on the road and for me to do something. It's genuinely a hobby. Um, I don't try and like lead with it anywhere. You brought it up and I'll talk about it if you do, but yep. um, I'm not going to try and promote it and promote it and promote it. Um, and I don't have any sponsors. And if you don't know about it, I'm not going to tell you about it. If you find it then, and you like it, well, then you found it, you know, and mm. it was meant to be heard by you. If you don't hear about it, then chances are it's not for you. <laughs> it's as simple as yeah. that. Yeah, it's and a really I good like way of looking like at that it. Because it's just, man, it's just so competitive out there with podcasts. And I just want to be able to enjoy something without having the whole competitive nature of whatever it is that we do uh, kind of creep in and, and turn it into a job for me. Like, so I, I just want to keep it pure in that sense and, and raw. You know, I do it mm. myself. I edit it. I record it. The only thing I don't do is, is upload it onto all the various platforms. Our webmaster does that. So okay. I send him the finished edited copy, and then that's it. Mm, indeed. Mate, I think that's the bell, isn't it? But uh, look, it's been yeah. a pleasure. Look, it's been a pleasure having a chat to you, man. Good luck with everything, especially on the tour down under here, mate. You've got a lot of fans down here. I hope you're aware. So uh, you'll have you have a great run of shows, man. And uh, mate, my role as a busy dad and all the rest of it, I'm going to do my best to come out and watch watch your show. But it's been a pleasure to chat to you anyway. Oh, cool. Thanks a lot talking to you. You know, and I have no idea about the buzz. I'm like Tom G. Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, mate. Good on you. All right. All the best with everything. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 
You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was one Danko Jones. Thank you so much for listening.